At Baptist Health, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Ever heard of someone being hit with a sudden headache? But not just any headache. This one's explosive, and its unexpected nature is likened to a clap of thunder. When followed by vomiting or blurry vision, odds are pretty high that they may be experiencing a brain aneurysm and should seek medical care immediately. A brain aneurysm is a weakening in an artery in the brain, and it balloons and bulges out and fills with blood. And by itself, it may not be an issue, but if it ruptures, this can cause a serious health problem. And these problems can include strokes, brain damage, coma, and even death. Here to talk to us about the ticking bomb nature of brain aneurysms is Dr. Robert Wicks, a neurosurgeon at the Miami Neuroscience Institute at Baptist Health. He's also the director of the Neuroendovascular Fellowship at Baptist Health. Of course, I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco, Chief Population Health Officer for Baptist Health. Welcome to the podcast, Robert. Thank you, John. So let's just jump right into it. I always like starting with a couple of definitions. We used a couple of terms in the introduction, uh, stroke, brain aneurysm. We could talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about hemorrhage. Let's define that first. What are the terms we just mentioned? What is an aneurysm and what is a stroke? Well, let's start with the word stroke. Uh, So when we think about strokes, we try to categorize them into two different types. Um, One type is where you're blocking blood flow to a particular part of the brain, and that can be from a blood clot or uh, thrombus, we call it. Um, The second type of stroke is a bleeding type of stroke, and that's where you develop bleeding in the brain, and that can be bleeding in a particular part of the brain, or it can be blood that scatters all over the brain. And one of the causes of the bleeding type of stroke uh, is a brain aneurysm. So bringing it down, high-level strokes are aspects of of stress in the blood flow to the brain, which can be blocked or bleed. An aneurysm is one of the kinds of stroke, um, one of the causes of strokes regarding the bleeding component. That's what we're narrowing down to. Okay. So when one has a stroke, what are the general symptoms that one would experience that would make them say, call fire rescue or, uh, you know, I need to go to emergency right away? How would they present? Right. So the the first type of stroke, which is kind of a blood clot or a blockage of an artery, um, that's where, you know, we oftentimes think of we think think fast, uh, F-A-S-T. And so sometimes you can have facial weakness. um, You can have arm weakness, um, speech problems. um, Also, people can develop double vision. And that's, you know, when we think it's time for them to go to the emergency room be evaluated immediately. And when you have that blockage of an artery, you know, it's very important for you to be seen um, by either an emergency medical physician or be taken to an emergency department because we can do procedures to break the blood clot up or remove it that could, you know, allow your symptoms to improve. That's very different than the bleeding um, type of stroke. Um, you know, when we hear of people who experience a bleeding type of stroke, they usually develop a sudden onset headache. And it's not usually a headache that gradually worsens kind of throughout the day, but rather a headache just just comes out of nowhere. It's like a thunderclap type headache. And when that happens, and it may be associated with some nausea or vomiting or the person acting a little abnormal, that's also a time when you immediately need to call 
um, 911 or bring them to the emergency department. So uh, we've done previous podcasts and gifts have articulated what you have. When you have the ischemic stroke, the blockage in the artery, usually it's presenting with a lack of something. You lose a functionality, you lose a sensation or something. And this is a little different. So now let's hone in on the, we'll say the hemorrhagic stroke and specifically the aneurysm as a potential cause of stroke, uh, of this type of stroke. So, so what is an aneurysm? Right. So an aneurysm, it is a weakness or an outpouching in an artery. Um, it can, there's basically two different or a few different types, but the main types are one, it's kind of like a balloon or a berry um, outpouching on the artery. And, you know, the concern there is that that wall of the aneurysm could weaken, causing bleeding in the brain. Um, there's another type of aneurysm called a fusiform, but basically that just means the whole artery looks kind of dilated and irregular. And it can also have, you know, a similar risk of a basically a weakness of the artery breaking open, causing bleeding in the brain. And when that bleeding occurs, you know, it can be quite severe. And so it can result um, in, a, you know, around 50% of, of patients who experience that will either die before making it to the hospital or develop, you know, severe um, neurologic deficits or, or um, you know, being unable to respond appropriately. So, so I do want to, and, and maybe, you know, as, as we go along in the questions, I do want to talk about how we manage an acute hemorrhagic stroke from an aneurysm. But before we get to that, let's talk now uh, again more about the person who may have an aneurysm. Um, do people feel when they have an aneurysm? Is it something they're aware of prior to a stroke? Many times they're not aware of them. And occasionally you will have some people who have an aneurysm that's located in a particular part of the brain that may affect their vision or cause them to have double vision. Um, you know, rarely does it cause uh, persistent headaches. If it seems like for some reason it's an unusual headache that you've never had a history of headaches before. And, you know, for some reason you're having this, all of a sudden you're starting to experience these daily headaches. That might be a reason to, evaluate things with with different imaging studies but in most cases they are asymptomatic so what we have to look at are or which patients are maybe at higher risk of of having an aneurysm so so leading into that and i'll share with um, our listeners when i was 11 years old my father and i went for breakfast and came back from uh, breakfast and as we were walking up the stairs he had exactly that the thunderclap this incredible severe headache fell to the side long story short he had a middle cerebral artery aneurysm this was 1972, spent weeks in a darkened room, hoping it didn't bleed more. It was leaking, eventually had surgery, which at the time was removing a piece of the skull and going in and, and, and clipping it. So a very personal experience with aneurysm. Now getting to the question, when people don't really know if they have aneurysms, and we'll get to the point that maybe not every aneurysm will cause a stroke, what may make someone more likely to have an aneurysm or what kind of population do we somewhat feel might be more suspicious for an aneurysm. Right. Um, so one thing is, you know, family history of aneurysms. That's been shown mm -hmm. to be, you know, a potential risk factor there. So if they, you know, a person has two, at least two family members that have had an aneurysm um, or a ruptured aneurysm, you know, we oftentimes will recommend maybe, uh, you know, around starting in age 40 or 50 to get an MRI of the brain called an MRA, and that specializes at looking the blood vessels of the brain. And that would just be, you know, that's the situation where we do consider screening. 
Um, another thing is if we uh, actually I apologize, let, let, yeah. let's take that first. So you find someone who's got a family history, which also yeah. suggests obviously a genetic component. You screen them. If you find one, does that mean they go right to surgery or what would be the kind of, what do you do when you start screening? So if we do find an aneurysm that's just incidentally discovered, you know, we, we look at different factors. Um, what we do know is that not every aneurysm goes on to rupture. Um, so there are many people who have an incidentally identified aneurysm. And it's actually thought that up to 2% of the population, meaning every, one in every 50 people uh, may have an aneurysm. Wow. Wow. But the majority of those don't go on to rupture. And so when we are told that someone has an aneurysm, we have to sit down and think about different factors. And we look at the aneurysm size, you know, what's the shape of the aneurysm? Does it have irregularity or bumps, additional bumps on it? Um, and then also we look at, you know, a patient's risk factors, such as um, one of the known risk factors is smoking. Um, smoking has been shown to both promote the development of aneurysms, but then also people who have them and continue to smoke, they're more likely to change or grow. Um, the other thing is looking at blood pressure, if somebody has uncontrolled high blood pressure. And when we, dis and all of that gets factored in, and that's why it's important to really go to a center where people are experienced in treating aneurysms, and we're able to go over what's the next imaging studies, you know, what are our recommendations, what treatment options are there? So, so yeah, so we, we established that if someone has an acute aneurysm that's ruptured, there's no, let me get to a center. You're calling fire rescue. You're going to an emergency room. That's an emergency situation. If you're instantly discovered to have an aneurysm, meaning you're, you're getting a different test and we find it, or you're being screened because of the factors you decided, you articulated, then we certainly want the patients to be seen and followed by a center with the expertise in how to best manage that aneurysm. So let's say we find an aneurysm that you're screening or you're scanning and now it's getting bigger over a few years or it has certain features that make one think this might be the kind of aneurysm we want to quote, do something about unquote. What right. do we do? What are the interventions in someone at the, um, the, the higher level um, um, uh, institutes and higher level programs? Right. Um, so one of the first things that may be recommended to better evaluate the aneurysm, to look at its size and its shape and what treatment options there are, is to do, uh, it's called a catheter angiogram, a diagnostic catheter angiogram. It's very similar to, you know, one that, you know, and uh, catheter angiograms of the heart. But basically, you know, we place a small catheter either in the radial artery in the wrist or in the femoral artery um, in the leg. And all your blood vessels are a highway. And so under x-ray guidance, we can navigate that small catheter through the blood vessels up to the neck. And we can inject contrast um, dye that allows us to look at the arteries under high detail and also get 3D uh, images of the aneurysm and reconstructions. Um, I would say that the majority of aneurysms um, now can mostly be treated endovascularly. So we treat them in the same method, so through the blood vessels. Um, and so again, when we treat an aneurysm, you know, we're able to bring small catheters up through the arteries and then up through the arteries in the neck and the, then into the brain and into the aneurysm. And there's different treatment options that we have. Uh, one of those is to place small platinum coils that form kind of like a little ball of wires and that closes the aneurysm off from the blood flow, um, allows it to clot and close. Um, another treatment 
uh, that's been you know increasingly used over the last 10 years is to place a specialized stent that's very finely woven and diverts the blood flow away from the aneurysm. Um, and that's called a, a flow diversion stent. There's different companies that make those. Um, and then there's also some other devices that we have here. Um, one is uh, something called a web device, and it's basically like a basket um, that's able to be opened up inside the aneurysm, kind of fills the aneurysm. And again, it diverts the blood flow away from it. It allows it to close over time. So the benefit of a, 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 a the Miami Neuroscience Institute, for example, would have would be the patient would have access to all those tools and weapons uh, with the people behind it, with the expertise to decide which is the best option and, and being able to perform those procedures. And again, exactly. going back to my dad, you know, they had to and you know cut out a piece of his skull to open it up and clip it and then put it back and uh, incredible, incredible advancements in the technology. Right. Um, so, so I would add yeah. one point is, you know, there are particular aneurysms that do have an, you know, a particular shape to them or they're located in a particular area that we do still consider, um, mm -hmm. you know, clipping as a, as a treatment. Um, and, you know, we have developed over time as well, some a little bit less invasive surgeries um, for the aneurysms when that is required. Um, such as smaller skin incisions, et cetera. Um, and, and that's still a very effective treatment that, you know, we can offer at our institute as well. Yeah. So the take-home point is it's customized, right? You want to it make the, uh, a, a decision based on the individual situation, what can be offered to the individual, and, you know, pick the right solution for that person's needs. And most importantly, having all those options available um, is, you know, what's unique, again, about, um, for example, the Miami Neuroscience Institute and other uh, uh, big uh, programs like that. Um, so one is discovered to have an aneurysm, they get evaluated, they get followed and or treated. When one gets these treatments that you describe, are there generally any after effects or pretty much it's uh, considered a curative procedure? Um, so in many cases, it is uh, that we are able to effectively close the aneurysm fully. Um, with the endovascular treatments, we do tend to follow um, afterwards. Uh, there are often times that we're able to close the majority of the aneurysm, um, such as with the coils um, or the flow diversion uh, device. And but sometimes you do see a little bit of the aneurysm filling at the base, and, and you know sometimes that's something that we do follow over time. Um, and usually that consists of. Uh, non-invasive imaging, meaning like an MRI or a CT scan, um, but then we'll also occasionally perform follow-up angiograms in the future. So, you know, each, I would say that there's there's really no two aneurysms that are exactly the same. Um, so it is important to kind of tailor the treatment to each one and, uh, you know, really each treat each patient as an individual. Purely your experience, what how are most of the aneurysms discovered in the patients that come to you or come to, let's say, our, our program? Many of them are discovered uh, incidentally, uh, meaning that the patient, you know, the person was getting imaging for some other reason, um, and then they happened to see an aneurysm. And um, so that's, you know, again, a time when it's I think it's good to be evaluated at a, at a center that deals with a lot of aneurysms so that you can, you know, we can discuss the different management options and which ones need to be treated and which ones can be followed. Um, we also, you know, definitely uh, see a fair number of patients that do have the ruptured aneurysms, and that's more because we're a center that, you know, that um, 
is a major referral center for these cases as well. Um, but, you know, I think that overall aneurysms are relatively rare. Um, and so, you know, I think the important thing is, you know, if you do happen to have one that's identified or if you have particular risk factors such as the family history, um, a history of uncontrolled blood pressure and smoking, um, then in those situations, it might make sense to, to be evaluated for one. And I think that's that's a take-home point. It's, it's yeah. not the kind of thing people should wake up in the morning saying, I hope I don't have an aneurysm. It's more if you have those risk factors, certainly quitting smoking and right. keeping blood pressure under control are recommended anyway. Um, but those would be the higher risk populations, um, right. um, you know, uh, as we define who should be evaluated and what to do with them. Um, again, exciting stuff that's, that's being done, again, especially in the uh, assessment and management of the aneurysms. And uh, really appreciate your time. And plus, as the director of the fellowship program, explain that a little bit. You're, you're training new uh, neuroendovascular uh, physicians to be able to take these procedures to uh, broader, broader uh, parts of the country and to broader communities. <laughs> exactly. No, the neuroendovascular yeah. treatment you know, as we've already discussed, have really changed the way that, you know, that we manage aneurysms. And then also, I mean, the biggest advancement really, I would say in the last 10, 15 years is how we manage the blood clots or ischemic stroke, you know, where you have blockages in the arteries. That's dramatically changed that we're, we have new equipment that's able to remove the blood clots um, in appropriate time that allows patients to recover that, you know, 10 years ago, you know, you'd have, you know, would have been a devastating stroke that we're able to remove the, the blood clots now. Um, so I think it is, you know, really important to train additional um, specialists in the field. And um, we have a, a very strong uh, fellowship program that's been in place for 10 years. And um, we're able to really train um, physicians, um, whether they come from a neurosurgical background or neurology or um, interventional radiology, um, that we're able to train them in all of these um, advanced techniques and really ensure that um, that they're very experienced with um, providing um, their future patients with the the best care. Wonderful. Any um, um, final comments on top of that? Anything we didn't get to that you want to state, or uh, uh, we're pretty good? Um, no, I think that we've covered most things. And in, in terms of the, you know, we initially started off with the discussion of, of ruptured aneurysms. And, you know, it's really important to get to a center that's experienced in all the different treatment techniques. And, you know, I think once you, you know, it's first be evaluated at the emergency department, um, and they'll usually refer you to, you know, a major center to be able to handle that. Um, but I think what's key in that particular situation is that patients will oftentimes come in very thick, um, but we also see some amazing recoveries. And so right. while they are oftentimes very sick for you know several weeks or, or months, um, when you're able to treat the aneurysm and manage some of the things that can be associated with that, um, there's oftentimes that patients do make a, a very good recovery in the long term. Wonderful. And again, great reassurance and uh, great explanation of the underlying uh, processes regarding uh, uh, brain aneurysms, cerebral artery aneurysms and such. Um, great. Thanks. Thanks again for spending your time and bringing your expertise to uh, Baptist Health, uh, Robert. No, thank you very much for inviting me. To our listeners, if you like what you've heard on this or any of our other podcasts, please sure to tell a friend or a family member about us. If you have a comment or a suggestion for our future topic, please email us at baptisthealthtalk at baptisthealth.net. That's Baptist Health Talk at BaptistHealth.net, and we'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.
Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health, the warmer side of care.